Hello there, everybody. Do you like to hear some behind-the-scenes stories from some of Hollywood's actors and actresses? Well, head over to electronicmediacollective.com and check out Bull Spit with Moose, where you can listen to Moose sit down and talk to some of your favorite childhood actors and actresses, writers and producers from some of your favorite TV shows. So come on, let's go to get the inside scoop over at electronicmediacollective.com and check out Bull Spit with Moose. Let's see what Moose has in store today. Second day of Christmas, Moose brought to me scary stories to tell in the dark. A tribute. Happy holidays, horror hounds, and welcome to Moose's 13 Horrifying Days of Christmas. I'm your host, Gift Giver Moose. My gift for you today is a gift of a story, or, well, many stories to be exact. From Scary Stories, A Tribute to Terror, please welcome Kurt Tuckfield and Shane Hunt. Hey, what's up, man? Hello. Hey, how's it going? So, I'm going to presume you guys are fans of the original book series, uh, Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark. Oh, yeah, you yeah, wouldn't be able to make... once or twice. <laughs> <laughs> wouldn't be able to make this project without being kind of having that ingrained in your mind from childhood yeah so huge fans what was it about the original books that got you was it the writing the uh like gamble's artwork i think number one is always the artwork that that's the first thing that people see and i think the 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 stories and the artwork work together in a way that it's really the art that that grabs you first and I know it's it's a weird dichotomy of very simple uh, elementary school level writing and store like kind of folklore stories that are kind of a little too gruesome for children, and the art, which is very complex and surreal, and uh, it's very memorable. I, but it's it was always the the art first. When you saw that, you were like, "What the hell is this?" And then you read the book. And I'm sure Shane agrees. Shane, you did the artwork on uh, this book, didn't you? From what I've seen, it's very, you know, reminiscent of that Gamble style. Did you try to stay true to the style or did you just want to go your own route? Yeah, totally. Well, I mean, the whole purpose of making the book was to have another Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark book. That was kind of the dream is we were like, we love these books so much. And Alvin Schwartz, of course, passed away. Yeah. And so... We, I knew a fourth book would never come. And so, yeah, my whole mission was just to try to capture the magic, try to capture the essence of whatever Stephen Gamble was doing. But I knew all along, I knew from the beginning that it wouldn't be possible to perfectly emulate him. It's just impossible. No one can, no one can do what he does. Um, so all I could do was try and do my best and try to scare myself. Kurt and I decided that it wouldn't stop until I, you know, got the goosebumps and genuinely felt like 
I was in danger from this thing that I was drawing. <laughs> Probably the biggest thing is that we wanted we wanted more Stephen Gamble art in that style, and he just like kind of he dropped away and like became a recluse a long time ago and he doesn't give interviews. He doesn't no. do that stuff. Anymore. He, he, he seems to have renounced it. Like he's kind of ashamed of it. Like he doesn't want to, he doesn't want his legacy to be those, that art that he, he wants, he wants to make, he seems to want to make art that is good for kids. And he, I don't think he sees it that way anymore. I think he sees that as being like just traumatizing. And we just wanted, we were like, how, how could there be more of this art? Cause it's so unique. Like, how can we, how can there be more, uh, how can this like world expand more? And there was no real way to, to do it unless we just did it ourselves. So that's kind of, that was, I would say one of the biggest motivations was just how can, how can there be more art and who can do it? Mm -hmm. Is it even possible? Well, and it's so weird that he hasn't embraced this more considering how much of an impact his artwork and the, original stories have had on so many people i mean it's not like the book terrified everybody and shied them away from anything horror or anything i mean it this has pretty much been the intro to a lot of kids into like the horror franchise and you know musicians getting into like metal and different things like that that that's that was their inspiration so he has inspired generations. Yeah, if you if you look up uh, Stephen Gamble on on the internet, you'll see like a ton of people who have just his artwork tattooed all over their bodies, which is like pretty cool. But he he I don't know he he's not into it. Like I wish I wish we knew more about him. You know, we, there's a documentary about scary stories that Shane did all the art for, and he wouldn't give an interview for that documentary and basically sent a letter that says he didn't want anything to do with scary stories ever again. So it was just like, it's like, come on, man. Like we want, we want some more of this, but it's not going to happen. So we, we just, we just studied him and studied him for years and tried to figure out all these weird little rules that he, these principles that he used for texturing and making things blurry and the way like, like the in the big toe, the boy is looking at the reader instead of at the toe. Like weird, weird, dreamy, surreal concepts like that. You had to kind of, you kind of had to figure out what how that worked. And it was, I don't, I'm not sure we even understand it completely now. Like it was definitely probably more than uh, we did when we started. So you had to figure out how to get the uh, images to actually look at the reader as opposed to in most art styles where they're just kind of looking off to the side with Gamel, it's, it's, it's looking at you. Well, so, sometimes, but he didn't have, it wasn't, that's not even a rule. Like there, yeah. I don't even know if you can write down a list of rules. It's just, it's all these weird abstract things that he did at different times. And you try to have, you just kind of figure out like, how could he, how would he do this, this new image that we're doing? Like how, how might he like approach that? And it, it's not, it's not something I don't, I'm not sure you could like teach a class about it. It's really abstract and emotional. Like uh, it's, it's hard to explain. Like, we'll see. And I think Shane had a pretty good approach to it. If it gives you goosebumps while you're doing it, you're on the right course. I had to unlearn all the, not all, but a lot of the principles of art that I've 
studied my whole life, you know, that I've been researching and studying and doing professionally for years and years. And I just had to unlearn a lot of it because Stephen just ignores a lot of things like the properties of light and shadow and anatomy, you know, and stuff like that. And it's, it's just, it was so opposite of my normal artistic sensibilities that it was extremely um, emotionally, like mentally exhausting to try to do, do that work, to try to emulate his style in that way, just because it's so opposite, you know, what I would naturally want to do, which is a little more like comic Bill Watterson style stuff. They're just polar opposites. Yep. <laughs> Night and day. Yep. So, uh, take me through this journey. How do you go from idea to concept on this? You just you, you decide one day, okay, we're fans. That this is something we want to do. Let's make a book. It has a lot to do with sentimentality and like nostalgia, wanting to go back to. You know, even though I hated elementary school, like there's like, it was kind of like, uh, you can't help but see it in a really glorious way, like that whole time. And that was such a, at the center of that world so much that you're like, how could it's, how can we go back and like view it in a new way? Like growing up and reading those books in elementary school, uh, you know, I saw the first one in like first grade and then the second one came out in our school library in second grade and then in sixth grade uh the the third one came out and every time one would come out you'd be like finally there's like a new i get to go on and see these new textures and this uh new have this new experience and then it just stopped because you know he died and it was over but uh then uh, over the years and right before we started making this project i was having like dreams i have really vivid uh uh, dreams and I went to a library and in the library there were three books but next to him was like another book and it was like a fourth book and I was like oh my god that's it that's the book that you know I wanted to just like open up and look through for the last 20 years or something and I picked it up and I opened it up and I saw all these new these new uh illustrations and titles and I was like Oh my God, I'm dreaming. So I can't actually experience this or take it with me. And then when I woke up, I was like, well, I still remember a lot of that stuff. And, you know, what if, what if we just made it? Like, what if I just kind of took it? What if we pulled it from the dream world and just tried to make it into something that could exist in the physical world? And so Shane being a great like illustrator and like my knowledge of, the kind of vibe of it, us working together, me writing, uh, we were like, we could, I think we might be able to do this if we really like studied it and tried hard. We, I think we might have the best chance of anyone to, to make something that looks and feels like a fourth book, like the one in the dream. So that's, that's when that happened. We we're like, let's just do it. And we were just, we were, you know, we said this before, we're like, we were just going to make two copies, like one for me and one for Shane. And that was, that was it. We weren't like, let's make a book for that we can sell or make a book for everyone. It was literally just so that we could have that in the physical world for ourselves. That was it. And it was just going to be a handful of stories at first too. It grew over time. Yeah. Then we we're like, uh, that would be stupid to just only have two copies of a book that you spent like years making. 
So it started out as just one of those, okay, let's get it out of our heads. Let's get it, let's get it from imagination to paper. And then it's like, okay, let, let's share the dream as it were. Yeah. Yeah. We, we realized there was, you know, there's a lot of other people that were just like us that would want to have to see and experience something like that. So we, we just had to make more and make it available. Well, and what I found interesting was now I, I vividly remember the books and then when they announced the movie was coming out, it wasn't until the movie came out that I started finding other people that remembered the books, you know, cause it's not like it, it, it wasn't something you talk about with a lot of other people, unless you know, they read the books as well. And then all of a sudden you start finding these little groups of people who are huge fans of the book. And you're like, oh, okay, they do exist. Because, I mean, I remember when I was a kid, these books were kind of like, you know, the old man's porn stash. You know, you had one downstairs in the basement. You invited your friends over, and you're flipping through it to try to scare, you know, you got the flashlight, and you're flipping through it. You know, that that's where it was. But then... Yeah, it was always kind of taboo. Like, Yeah. And then you come to find out here years later... Everyone had it. Everyone loves it. It's like, where were you people? Yeah. Well, we didn't have the internet back then, partially. That's part of the problem. Yeah. And then there there was always one person that had the book checked out. Yeah. Yeah. It turns out there are a lot of people who read those books and, like, still read those books, even, like, younger people. But I'd say most of them – that would buy our book are probably in their like thirties. Like that's like the biggest audience. The people that like were in elementary school in the bottom of book fairs and like the scholastic book fairs and stuff. But it's true. I've run the analytics of our website and like all the the people who have bought the book and it's definitely highest in the thirties, mid thirties. Yep. Well, because we're all in the same boat you are. We wanted more. We wanted more scares. It's They were coming out at the same time we were getting introduced into horror, and a lot of the horror movies couldn't do what the books did. The books touched, I, I don't know, it was just some, something about the way the artwork and the story together, and you know, just the storytelling mm-hmm. in general could actually give you a scare that like Nightmare on Elm Street, Candyman, stuff like that couldn't actually hit you with. But cuz it's in here, right? Yeah, say so it's it, in it, your it, mind. Yeah, it's you you have one still picture and you're reading the story of what's happening. So you have to imagine everything that's going on and your imagination's running wild and it has you. I mean, it just grabs you and takes hold, and it scares the shit out of you. Yeah, a lot. Of, a lot of it has to do with what they're not showing you, and what, and the shortness of it. Each story is like only like a page long. Usually. Yeah. So it like it it just gives you a glimpse of something and a really sharpened point for an ending. And alongside of it is is an image that looks like you're looking through like a portal into hell and it's 
fuzzy and distorted, and you just get a glimpse of it. You get a glimpse of this image, you get a glimpse of the story really fast, and then it's gone. And that's that leaves a lot to the imagination. If you were to make it where it has a lot of images and the story goes on for 50 pages, it wouldn't have the same power. It's it's all about like less is more, honestly. Oh, yeah. So how many stories do you guys have in this uh, new book? This one has uh, 34 stories. Um, and then at the end, it has a note section that describes anecdotally like where all the stories came from, like what, what the influence or the inspiration was a lot of them were based on real things or exaggerations of real things that happened some of them are just absolutely true some are, are, are folk folklore um but this book is twice as long as any of the original books so we we, we want it to be like let's just make like scary stories four and five at the same time <laughs> the people the people reading it are not in second grade anymore no. So it had to, it had to be like longer. Uh, the writing style is is like Alvin Schwartz in that it's like uh, simple, like maybe too simple. But I pushed it a little bit further uh, to to kind of be in between the second grade style and but be like a little more, just a little more advanced, considering that the audience is probably thirty five years old. So. It, it just it had to balance yeah. it out a bit, but it's it's first, you know, compared to the, the original books, it's twice as long. From what I've seen on Facebook, you, you guys seem to be getting decent reviews and at least positive reception on the book. You guys selling okay? Yeah, it's. Uh, I mean, it's very independent. You know, we're we, not making a ton of money or anything. <laughs> no, we, we, we like advertise and and package and print and ship ourselves, and. Uh, it's it's mainly just to get it to the people who who would love it, but yeah, the reception has been overall like really well. See, like, I decided to pick up my copy. <laughs> it's it's been it's been really great. A lot of people are just like I, I'd say the biggest thing is that people they can't really believe that it's not by Schwartz and Gamble. Like they they a lot some people don't some people don't know that it's not by them, and they're like they think that the book is is the same book that they grew up with. They're like, Oh, I love this. This, this image used to scare me so bad. Like, I love this story. I'm just like, this is brand new. I, this is, was never in the original book. Yeah. So that's been kind of a blessing and a curse, but yeah, it's been really, it's almost the problem because then they're not, they're not like, Oh, they don't realize it's a new book they can buy. I see. Yeah, it, yeah. it blew me away when I found out that, you know, Shane did the artwork. Cause I thought it was like, Oh, Gamble came out of retirement. No, oh, no, it's not him. Wait, what? You know, because I've never seen anyone do Gamel style other than Gamel and get it that close. There are a few other artists out there doing similar. So, I mean, kudos. I've never seen anyone nail it, though. There's a guy named um, Chad Werrell, W-E-H-R-L-E. To look yeah, him up. He's not trying to nail Gamel exactly. He's kind of doing uh, highly influenced by Gamel. But, I've, yeah, I've never seen anyone really try to emulate Gamel as closely as they possibly can and really spend the time and effort that it takes to do that. And not only like the style, but also like the subject matter and the, and the content and choices that he makes that are odd. Like why would you, in a story about, I don't know, Kurt, what's a good example of a, like a non sequitur 
illustration that doesn't seem to really match the story that you wouldn't think matches the story what's an, an example from the well there's a lot of there's a lot of things like in uh no thanks in i think the th third book where he's like meets the guy in the parking lot selling the knife he mm -hmm. he just described yeah. the guy throwing a knife but when it shows the guy he's like right. hideously deformed it never says that in yeah. the story so he adds this yeah, whole other exactly like, doesn't make sense he does that a lot or like in uh, something was wrong yeah. from the second book, he's like the guy is standing by a payphone, and underneath the payphone there are like four lines that kind of fan out from below beneath it, and I I can't tell you what those are. Like it doesn't make any sense. They're just like some weird thing that he put in there. Yeah. So a lot of it has to do with his choice of subject matter. Say so part of why Harold is so scary. It's not. The scarecrow that comes to life and transforms you it's the imagery of that scarecrow you know how he looks in that picture yeah he, he he's somehow able to use he doesn't use like outlines so much but he's somehow able to just use like fuzzy contrast of black and white to make really obscured faces that it's sort of like it, it's scarier because you can't of what is of how like mysterious it is like a like a, in um, uh, one Sunday morning, if you look at the, like the faces of the ghouls, they're just kind of like obscured in shadow. They're just black and white, like these black and white contrasts of color, and and that's I don't know. It's just there's something the lack of um, clarity makes it really creepy. But then some another part of a body or something will be very like crystal clear, and then it will fade off into something that's blurry. It's a weird style that mm -hmm. I don't know if any I don't know if anyone could really fully do it except him, but you could try. Well, and I think part of why that works is that plays on the uh, you know you always see the stuff out of the corner of your eye, and you're never quite sure what it is, and th that's when some of the scariest stuff happens, especially when you're a kid, because you always just you just see something just out of the corner of your eye, especially in the dark, and then you turn and it's gone. Yep. Yeah, that's kind of the vibe, I would say, of that, some of those illustrations, for sure. So, we have 30-plus stories. Illustration for all of them? Yeah, there's like, what, 60, Shane? There's an illustration for every yeah, story. there's one or two illustrations per story, and then... Oof. And then I just also did a bunch of extra ones just to pepper into the, like, the notes section that Kurt mentioned at the end. Or like the chapter, you know, markers and stuff like that. It's it's exactly like the original books in that if you open up an original book like three and this book and you start turning the pages, the formatting is exactly the same. So it's going to have where an image would be in the original book for like the title or the the dedication or the chapter marker. It's all going to be exactly the same, but it's just all new. So. It's the same, it's exactly the same in every way, even down to like the paper and the fonts and the spacing, everything is the same. Nice. We went, went crazy doing that. So it really is just a, an absolute tribute to Schwartz and Gamble in their original outings. Oh yeah, like it down to like as, as close as you could possibly make it. We, we said early on, if it didn't feel like a genuine scary stories experience to us, then we knew it wouldn't feel that way to anyone else. So it it had to feel like those old books felt, you know, when we were reading them as kids. It had to feel that way. 
And it comes down to the formatting of the book, even everything we did down to like the font size and lines and stuff like that. It was truly a labor of love and passion, you know, that had little to do with trying to create a, a publishing empire. Or like that. <laughs> the, the labors of love at the end of the day are usually the, the projects that obviously mean the most because you and pay off better because you you know you put your heart into it and you you put out what you want to put out and from a fan aspect and you know on our side a reader's aspect we know that you put a lot of time and energy into it you didn't just put it out for i hate to say it you know i hate this phrase but the cash grab yep to make something really great it has to be for you and not for others like it's it has to be very personal like a desperate you have to have a desperate need to make it for yourself and you're not really it's not really thinking about other people but in the end that's like what translates into it being really pure yeah in my experience by far the best work i've ever done is has been work that i've just done by myself in my free time you know and uh it's not that i don't put forth good effort you know when a, a customer or a client or somebody pays me to create art for them. But I just, from my experience, the best work we do comes straight from our heart, you know, straight from ourselves. There's a, there's a band that's been around since like this, the early seventies called the residents and they wear costumes and make really mushroomy weird music and no one knows who they are. And they, they, they do what's called the theory of obscurity, which is it's their whole philosophy, which is, we're going to take ourselves out of the picture or the the audience out of the picture. And it's all going to be about, we're going to make what we want to make. And it's going to be completely personal. And it's only going to be about the art, not about selling things or about the audience. And in the end, that's like what makes it pure. If you like it, you like it. If not, you don't. I don't know. I think that's kind of how we've always operated with anything we do. It's always just for ourselves to kind of, you know, fulfill something, you know, personal and like really sentimental. Well, at the end of the day, that's what, you know, that, that's how it should be. I mean, you, you follow the passions that make you feel good. You make some money and, at it. Great. But right. You, you follow your passions. And what's cool is early in the project, I'd say like two years into the project, it took us four years to finish from start to finish, but about two years into it, um, I had done the animation sequences for that Scary Stories documentary. And because of that, I had a connection to Peter Shorts, the son of Alvin. And I was able to contact him and tell him about our book. And I basically said, hey, you know, we have this book we're making. Here are a few samples of the art and stories. And we really want to try to do this by the book and be legit and upfront with you about this and, you know, try to get whatever licensing we have to get taken care of and in the end it, it ultimately it just came down to him telling us hey you know what this looks awesome just don't worry about it go ahead and just do it that's great <laughs> and uh he's been very supportive of it and he actually ordered two copies one for barbara alvin's uh, wife and one for himself so he's been a, the Schwartz family has actually been pretty supportive and awesome about this whole thing 
That's awesome. I mean, at least you were able to connect with the half of the original uh, team. Yeah, yeah, it would be it would be really interesting to to talk to Stephen Gamble. Like, I don't know, you might like you might take it to him and you like, might like throw it in your face, or he might be cool about it. There's not really much of anything known about him, so. No, he he pops up on Instagram about once a month, throws a picture up, and then goes away. Yeah. Well, he's not. That's not even him. That's someone else mm. running an account for him he's just i mean i told you about that documentary i did we we literally or Co- cody yeah the director of that film he literally sent a letter to stephen gowell um or his publish publicist or something asking for you know this is your last chance you know to talk to your audience and all we got back was a letter that said, Stephen Gamble wants nothing to do with scaries to Dory's to tell in the dark ever again. Wow. That's that's all we got. <laughs> Such a shame. So when people are like, why didn't you get Stephen Gamble to do it? You're ripping off Stephen Gamble. We can say, or like the same with Alvin Swartz, we can say, well, Alvin Swartz died 30 years ago. And we know for a fact that <laughs> Stephen Gamble renounced this. So it's not going to happen. Like. And they're like, oh, okay. <laughs> Gamel walked well, we away, and Schwartz's family gave us their blessing. So yeah, we have to go. go. <laughs> yep. Although I should say that it's not like I don't mean to say that the Schwartz family's made this an official scary stories book or anything yeah. like that, which it isn't. It's definitely a fan tribute. We don't we don't own the publishing rights to scary stories to tell the dark or anything like that. Um, Harper Collins actually just released the, the official tribute to scary stories to tell in the dark just last month i think i think so yeah yeah and it has a bright neon and green cover it's a little it's a little different it's like in the in the formatting yeah they went a different route they really meant it to be inspired by or influenced by or something like that rather than trying to emulate it per se. Uh, what did you guys think of the movie? Oh, there's the question that we get asked so much. We get, oh, we get See, asked I was that trying so to often. avoid it, but... <laughs> no, it's okay. Not... It's just funny that people seem to think that we're like authorities on it or something, which we aren't, but... <laughs> well, just as fans. I liked it. You know, I, I thought it was great. I actually really liked it, and I watched it again several times, and I think it's an awesome movie. I don't necessarily think it's a scary stories to tell in the dark experience, but I, I actually really like the movie itself. I like the director quite a bit. Andre Overdahl, it's awesome. He does he did Troll Hunter. I don't know if you saw that one. Yeah. It was great. Yeah, I thought it would I thought it would be like the worst thing ever. And then I saw it in theaters and I was like, frankly, that was not bad. And there were certain things about it, like the special effects that I really liked. Uh I give it like a six out of ten. Uh six point five out of ten, maybe seven for a film. But again, it's not the right it's not the right medium for scary stories because it's it's one long thing and that doesn't really like it, we were talking about how the books were these very short glimpses of things. They can't really do that with a movie unless it was you know a short horror anthology or something. But uh, the 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 fan response to that film because people were talking about it all the time. Uh, on Facebook, you know, on our Facebook uh, page, uh, I would say is generally pretty negative. Actually, I would, I would say that probably sixty percent of the fans hate that movie, and then another percent yeah. really liked it, and then other people had mixed feelings. I'd say mine were kind of mixed, but had very positive things. So about it was it. definitely better than I thought it was going to be. 
Yeah, that's exactly yeah, what we, we usually tell people. Because when they first announced it, I was like, okay, how are you going to take a series of short stories and turn them into a movie? That you know that that because like you said, that format doesn't really lay itself out well for a movie. Yeah. Uh, I do like how they were able to work that in through a long arcing story, you know, to where they could work the individual stories in, but still make a full movie out of it. And it's like, okay, that makes sense as far as start to finish. With yeah, the, I think it was, the girl writing the stories in her book and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I think it, was it was a like creative best, solution. It was like the best they could pretty much do. Um, I mean, it's in color, like scary stories isn't it's it's almost like i would i would have made it like even weirder and more i would have the same same concept but make it look more like a racer head or something yeah you know like black white and really nightmarish but that wouldn't that doesn't make a hundred million dollars if you do that not very marketable yeah no it would have fallen more into the cringe horror yeah it it would have it was better than i thought it would be so and it's it'll be a good much like the books were a good starting off point for kids, you know, get them interested into the horror area. Yep. Mm-hmm. And they're making a second one. I believe, I think there's a sequel coming out. So I think so. You know, it's, I'm just really into like Halloween and kids fighting against supernatural stuff on Halloween night in their small town. And so I just love that kind of thing. And so it, yeah. it really spoke to me in that way. And I, I kind of hope the second one does similar stuff, but who knows? Well, and yeah, I mean, it's I, I like finding the I, I like finding interesting horror films for starter films for films and books, really, for kids to get interested into the horror genre, because mm-hmm. if you start them too hard, you're going to, you know, push them away from it. And then yeah. if it's too cheesy, it's they want nothing to do with it ever so you have to find something that's right right down the middle and scary stories whether it's the new movie the books that's always been something that is a good launching point for you know to just start you into horror and i think yeah certainly you know, I, I think that's its place in history, and it will always be its place in history and pop culture. Is it's your starting place in horror? Yeah, it's it's it was definitely the case for us. Although now it's it's questionable as to like if kids are like warped now, like if they're like much more like desensitized yeah. to things than they used to be. Like, yeah, like totally. kids. Kids are like, like Shane some like saw like Texas Chainsaw Massacre like a few weeks ago. And he was like, it wasn't scary. Like the original from 1972. I saw that at his same age and I was traumatized for like four years. Yeah. And so it's like, I don't know, yeah. there's, there's around so much more like sensory stuff. When we were kids, we didn't have the world of the internet and all this stuff. We were, I think, much more cut off and like sensitive. And then if you go back to our parents, like, and, you know, generation – you know, watching these old, some old, uh, like cheesy science fiction horror movie or like a bad Vincent Price movie, that would, that like scared the shit out of them. Like, so it's, it's, I think there's, there's, for some kids, it's, it's really relative to, it's, I don't know, I don't really know exactly what is too much or too little for 
the average kid now compared to how it was when I was, you know, like eight in the eighties. Yeah. Or if it's the same for some of them, or if it's just totally different now for most of them, like, you know, kids playing like dead space and just, it doesn't bother them. Or, you know, if we had played that at that age, it would have been just like terrifying. I don't know. I don't know how things have changed. <laughs> so we had much simpler video games. We had much simpler everything. Yeah. Back then, if if you wanted to watch a movie or if you wanted to do something, you had like three options. Oh, I want to watch a movie. You're like, well, you got these 10 movies. Like, watch one of those. And you get way into just that movie. But now with the internet, YouTube, like you can watch just junk all day long and it could change like every five seconds you could just be watching yep. something else and it's i don't know what that's really doing to kids if that like messes up their ability to read a book like scary stories um there's definitely been a lot of feedback about kids who liked our, our book we got way into it mm-hmm. i don't know if kids are like just messed up now by all this like <laughs> i think kids th- there's Regardless of where we're at, we all like to be scared. Um, And it used to be that didn't happen until we got older. I think that age is starting to drop lower now. I think kids are starting to hit that. They like to get scared a lot sooner than we did when we were younger. To me, that's kind of fascinating to watch because now like my, my two daughters, my, my son can't stand scary things. Uh, but my 10 year old, and my 14 year old like scary stuff. My 14 year old gets scared at the slightest jump scare. She, oh. she's out. The 10 year old will sit through the whole thing. Just what's next? You know? Yeah. Come on. You know? And we'll be sitting there and, when she sees the 14 year old kind of teetering on the edge, just not, ah, you know, just push her off the edge. So it, it's fascinating to see the dynamic in kids today, just in your own living room, watching a movie mm-hmm. or, yep. you know, reading a book or just ex- experiencing this. Hell, even Halloween decorations, you know, to see kids react to those. It's the need to get scared is starting to come a lot younger. Yeah, I agree. There, there are definitely still some people that we meet who they they never wanted to be scared. Like there's a few people that are just like, I, I saw that book when I was a kid. And I saw one, I saw like the, the girl with her face falling off in the haunted house. <laughs> and I closed it and I like, I ran away and I never, I never like looked back to horror again. Like they were like, I'm still afraid of that, and I won't ever watch a scary movie. I'll never buy your book. There's a few yeah. people that just they they have no tolerance for it at all. But then there's other people who are like, just completely into it, and unfazed by anything. It just it just dep- I think it just depends on the person really. But but in general, I would say people they like they like this stuff. Guys, this has been fun. Where can uh, my listeners uh, find your book? Shane? Best place to go would just be straight to our website. It's scarystoriestribute.com. Um, that, there you can read all about the book, watch some videos, and order 
several different versions of the book. We actually have a, we have the physical book, of course, but you can also get a digital PDF download version of the book. And then you can get an audio book. We had an amazing audio book produced by this incredible voice actor that just came out of nowhere and offered his services for free. And we couldn't believe it. And he, we, he did the entire book for us and Kurt edited it and did a masterful job with it. But yeah, so the audio book is available, the digital PDF, and we're even offering some prints on the website. If you want, if you, if one of the pieces of art is especially exciting to you. Nice. And we just, we also came out with the Kindle version. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. Kindle version just came out. Yeah, I forgot. It's on Amazon. And listeners, you can find the link to their book in the episode description. You can find me and other great podcasters over at electronicmediacollective.com or on Twitter at Moose Media Inc. Shane and Kurt, I want to thank you for coming on and uh, kind of fanning out with me about scary stories and talking about your book, which I still need to pick up. Um, (laughs) (laughs) We'll send you a signed copy. Sweet. But yeah, like I said, this is fun. I look forward to reading the book. I hope it does well, and I will help uh, push it any way I can. Listeners, buy the book. Makes great Christmas gifts, birthday gifts, because it's Tuesday gifts. Just buy the damn book. Thanks, miss. Until next time, guys. Mash on. Ha 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 